Welcome back to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? The podcast. I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and we are the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? The podcast, which is a life advice podcast from the perspective of non experts. Yes. So we've gone through a lot. We've learned a lot in this life and we're going to help you guys get through it too. And we're going to cover lots of different topics. We're going to cover things like relationships, love, mental health, personal finance, you name it. We're on it. And we're going to drink some wine with each new topic that we tackle. Most importantly. Mm -hmm. And today, the topic that we are tackling is managing anxiety. We're going to talk about what is anxiety. There's a lot of misconceptions about it. Our own personal stories with anxiety and how we've learned to manage it and overcome it over the last few years and give you guys some tips and tricks on how to manage your own anxiety, especially if you've been experiencing it for the first time. Mm -hmm. But first, Natalie gotta drink wine and i'm so excited about the wine i just love the name of it and i want you to explain it i'm so excited okay so this is the mcbride sisters black girl magic rosé black girl magic you know i love that i love it and they are women vintners couple of sisters oh was that one a winer yes i did not know that vintners yeah oh like vin which is uh, french for wine and like viticulture is like right yeah so wow an- another little life lesson for you guys oh my gosh um so i got a case of the rosé the riesling and the red blend and i drank the rosé or i drank the riesling myself and i loved it oh my god so i'm really excited to try the rosé because as you guys might know from listening to our episodes we're not huge rosé people. Yeah. So I'm trying to find a rosé that I love, and I'm, I have my fingers crossed. I have my fingers crossed for this. It's really light. Okay, I'm passing it over to you. Okay. I wish you guys could see our um, setup. It's, it's pretty janky. It's talk about non-expert. Yeah, I we've been- got like a piece of plywood here it's like strapped to the table to the we table. have no idea how to set up equipment i, I do want to do a how to podcast episode because we've definitely learned a lot we along learned the way so much all right so cheers. i'm gonna take a sip of this black girl magic cheers 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 clink 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 okay let's see wow did we do eyes on that no i don't think we did <gasps> how unlucky of us okay thank god Ooh. I'm not going to say anything about this wine until the end of the episode. Okay. We're going to wait it out. We're going to wait it out. Now, on the last episode, we had mentioned... Natalie mentioned that she had received some paintings in the mail from prisoners. Yes. If you follow me on Instagram, you already know this. You already know this. But if if you don't, you didn't listen to the last episode, so that's what we're referencing to. And we did say we'd talk about it this episode... Natalie, I think you got to give them a little bit of the story as to how I got them. Yeah. So basically what happened was I can't, I one day UPS knocks on my door and I'm like, I didn't order anything. I don't know what this is. A box shows up. It looks like a big painting box. And I open it and I pull out two paintings of Mark Rothko, who is my favorite artist. 
Right. And I'm extremely confused because <laughs> I'm like, what is this? Then I find a note stuck to one of them addressed to me, to Natalie. And it was like, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to have my art shown in your gallery and like all this shit. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is about. Um, and then here's where it gets tricky because then I was able to put the pieces together and I figured out that they came from a max security prison. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't really give the details on how they were sent to me because I know somebody within the prison that was not allowed to remove the paintings from the prison. Right. So that's why I can't. She get- doesn't know any inmate. She knows somebody who works at the prison that yes. in because of that, the, the paintings made their way to her. But just yes. to clarify, Natalie does not have a relationship with anybody in no. the prison system and has not been communicating with anyone. Not a pen pal with a prisoner. My mom was into that back in the day. Oh, goodness. And that's a whole and that, it's story. like a whole like a fetish thing people are really yeah. into. People like marry people in p- prison that they My don't know. My mom was going to go meet a serial killer when she was like six, no, 17 or something. Oh my God. Yeah, that girl's crazy. So yeah, that didn't happen. Natalie knows somebody that works there and yes. it, it was more of an art project thing that ended up making its way to her. That came to me, but I will say they're really good. They're beautiful. They're really good. And the fact that one of them, I shit you not, you can't even make this shit up. One of them, when I pulled it out, I thought, this is no ordinary canvas. This is something else. It was made with a bed sheet from prison <laughs> that he then, he, he cured it with floor wax. And then they painted it with house paint because that was the only resources they have. I was it, They're really good. We, maybe we can post them. I can post the pictures of them. Yes. We, we should because they're, they're pretty impressive. Can I tell you just... I can say this because no nobody would figure this out, but I looked up one of the prisoners, like why he was in prison. Uh-huh. This man robbed at gunpoint, which was stupid because that'll get you way more than if you just rob normally. Don't take my word for that. But right. um, an Applebee's. <sighs> <laughs> It couldn't have been worth it. It could not have been worth it. Applebee's? An Applebee's. Who thinks to themselves, you know what? I'm going to rob an Applebee's. At most, you're getting 300 bucks over there. (laughs) Applebee's? Applebee's? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do it, go big. Right? Rob a bank? If you're going to do an armed robbery, don't do an Applebee's. You're going to rob an Applebee's? (laughs) Bro. Well, clearly he's a talented artist. He's extremely talented. And this is, you know, I don't even get me started on the prison system. I do not think he should be in prison no. for this long for an Applebee's. He's been in there for like over a decade. Yeah. An Applebee's? Really? Anyways. Well, we can appreciate his art. We can appreciate we his art. We definitely can do that. I have it in my home. It's not hung. <laughs> I don't really know what to do with it, but I'm obsessed with it because just the backstory but i feel like this is sort of just my life things like this happen to me a lot (laughs) um so yeah i i shared it on instagram and people were like what are you talking about i was concerned so i watched your instagram story where she explained it and then i went to explain it to my boyfriend joe and i was like oh you know she got sent art from prison prison. and i go 
Max okay. security, by the way. Because she didn't Top really explain that she didn't have a relationship <laughs> with anybody. And I said, Joe, is this a moment as a friend that I'm supposed to intervene? Like, should I call her? And he was like, yeah, you should call her. So I called her and was like, Natalie, what's going on? Why are you getting sent art from prison? What's happening? Just another day in my life. You know how we be. You know how we do. Oh, wow. Okay, so <sighs> that, let's just digest that and move into our topic that we're talking about today, which is managing anxiety. And we chose this because we both suffer greatly <laughs> from anxiety and we've each struggled with it in our own ways and it has manifested for us in in different ways and it's a very present thing in our lives. Yeah, and I I'm actually an ambassador for NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. I've been working with them for probably the last 3 and a half years, if not 4 years and seems like it feels Forever. like a long time, but yeah. since 2017, so about three three years now. And I've really enjoyed being in that space so much and coming forth and saying that I have anxiety publicly three years ago was something that I thought was absolutely impossible. There was no conversation for mental health. Now it is so huge. It's such a big mm-hmm. um, conversation space for it. And I'm so happy for that. But three years ago when I went to NAMI and I said, hey, I want to work with you guys. And they were like, okay, like let's you know come forth and say you have anxiety disorder. I was terrified. Mm-hmm. Nobody was talking about it. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, uh, nobody was talking about it. And it was also such a common thing. Anxiety is actually the most common mental health concern in the United States. Over 40 million Americans have an anxiety wow. disorder, not just suffer from anxiety, but yeah. have a disorder. Yeah. Isn't like, that wild? That's wild. Especially yeah. because it's just not, I mean, only recently I think it's been more widely talked about. Yeah, and a lot of people develop their anxiety symptoms, develop an anxiety disorder before the age of 21. Actually, between the ages of 14 and 24, do most mental health disorders come, um, you know, become present? Mm-hmm. And so I always thought I was going to get like, so many different mental health disorders because it runs in my family. And I was like waiting till 24. Like, yeah. when's it going to hit? <laughs> Just like when is that watching the clock going to hit? Because any day <laughs> yeah, now. Um, but it does. A, a lot of mental health um, disorders do show up between the ages of four, 14 and 24. So In those formative sort of yeah, years. Yeah, when your brain's kind of developing. Mm-hmm. So we, um, we've developed our own ways of managing anxiety that have helped us to cope that we're going to share with you. And also I think it's important to acknowledge that right now in this moment of time, we're having a full civil revolution. We're having, you know, COVID very much. We have an election present. coming up. Election year. People are experiencing anxiety for the first time. Maybe they've literally never experienced it and they don't have the tools really to to deal with it and to respond to it within themselves. Yeah, I think we say that this podcast is from the perspective of non-experts, but I will say, I do think in terms of managing anxiety, we are experts. We've put in our 10,000 hours. Yeah. <laughs> We've really worked on it. And and because of that, we've developed coping tools that we want to share with everyone. Yeah. So let's just, straight off the bat, let's just go into what 
is anxiety because it's it's a term that I think is so easily thrown, it's thrown around. around yeah. You know, you can be like one time I was talking to somebody and they were like, I experienced anxiety once. Um, I was real. I was nervous. I was nervous about a speech for about five minutes. And I was like, Oh, that's it. That can be anxiety to it you. Can, yeah. But yeah, there, I think there's a difference between being nervous for something or yes. being stressed out and really yeah. having anxiety that's lasting and that feels like, okay, this is part of my life that I have yeah. to actually adjust manage. to manage. Yes. Definitely. So according to the American Psychological Association, anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes. And people with anxiety disorders usually have recurring intrusive thoughts or concerns, and they may even avoid situations, certain situations out of com- just worry. Mm-hmm. And there are emotional and also physical symptoms mm-hmm. that people can experience. And some of the emotional symptoms could be that feeling of apprehension or dread, feeling tense or jumpy. I That's my... Oh, I am so I'm, jumpy. Yeah. And my boyfriends had to learn, like, you know, like, just playfully, like, coming up behind me. Hell no. I was like, when I'm washing my face in the... And you know that oh hell I go, no I go babe hey I'm washing my face do not come in the mirror no if I if I unwash my face and you're standing behind me I'm gonna flip the fuck out yeah I in college <laughs> there was a time in college when I was I was really struggling and I remember every time there was a door outside of my apartment that was like opening and shutting every time it slammed in my apartment I would like. <gasps> Like, yeah. jump off my couch. Yeah. No, that's <sighs> definitely a huge symptom. Another symptom is restlessness or irritability. It can be anticipating the worst. Mm, Natalie and I. the <laughs> name of my game. <laughs> or um, being, watchful, being watchful for signs of danger. And I will say, women, I think, this isn't a fact, but I do think women are trained to be watchful for signs mm-hmm. of danger when i'm in like a parking lot even my own parking structure at my yes. home i'm like who's in that is there someone yeah. in that corner has somebody watched me are they watching me go to my place yeah yeah you're just i feel like constantly on edge um so in terms of the physical symptoms pounding or racing heart sweating tremors or shortness of breath headaches fatigue insomnia mm. i'm definitely struggle from that Upset stomach, frequent urination, or diarrhea. You know what? There's another one that I'm just going to add in Yeah, that we didn't write, and that's vomiting. Yeah. Vomiting's another one that I know people, people struggle with. Um, we also just, as a, as a overarching thing, is depression and anxiety are often experienced together. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the time, people who our depressed experience anxious moments and people that are anxious experience depressed moments. Yeah, because I feel like you're, when your anxiety gets to a place where it's debilitating and you're noticing that it's affecting your life, that can be really depressing. Yeah. And actually, some some estimates, um, according to NAMI actually, show that probably 60% of people that experience one will experience the other. Wow. And I was kind of doing a little more research and they think it might be because the brain mechanisms are similar. Right. So they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. So also there are 
a lot of different types of anxiety disorders. There's not just like one overarching thing. So there's generalized anxiety disorder. That's sort of a, just in general, you're running anxious. Mm-hmm. There's, and that's what I, what I have. Check. Uh, check <laughs> that off. There's social anxiety disorder. Check. And check that guy off. Um, there's panic disorder, which I know you have, um, you have some experience in. Yeah, I was diagnosed with panic disorder when I was 18, 18 That's or so. That's about right. Yeah, I was, I was 18. I had a panic attack, and a lot of people experience panic attacks, but to develop panic disorder is continuous panic attacks mm-hmm. over like a small amount of time. And yeah. so um, I've, yeah, I've had panic disorder since I was about 18. And the and so for me, I do not have panic disorder, but I have experienced panic attacks that I actually did not know were panic attacks until much later. Oh, um, that's very very common. Super common. So actually, in high school, I went to the emergency room because I thought I was having a heart attack. Like truly, I thought, oh my, I'm having a heart attack, and I had all the same symptoms of having a heart attack, like. I was even, I thought I was going to throw up, like all this stuff. And I went to the emergency room and they ran all the tests and they were like, nothing. There's no sign of any problems. And I was just like, how? It is. I just had a heart attack. What do you mean? It is so, it's so common. Like my first panic attack, I also went to the hospital because I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah. And it's just because people don't know what to look for, you know? And I also think for me, at least for that panic attack, I don't remember specifically what, I think I was just watching TV. It kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And that was just like alarming. Yeah. If your heart starts beating so fast that you can like feel it out like, of your chest yeah. and you don't know why and you're not, you know, you don't know the term panic attack or what to look for. It does mm-hmm. feel like a heart attack. And I will tell you so many people experience that. So many people go to the hospital thinking they're having a heart attack, but really it's just a panic attack. Yeah. Which not it's not just because they are very, very traumatic. So scary. And very scary. And I've had many, I've had dozens of them. Yeah. And I can tell you that they're very scary. Ugh, debilitating, really. Um, so another type of anxiety is phobias. And there are there's different types of phobias. So for example, I have a phobia that does not at all hinder my daily life in any way, okay? I I don't know how I, I've always had this phobia. It's called submechanophobia. It's this thing about if there's shit underwater, I start, sw- I'm thinking about it right now. My toes are literally curling. It's, it's like, but it's specifically mechanical yeah. devices underwater. So for example, like, like Jungle Cruise, right? That's your thing. I, I like, it doesn't, it, my phobia does not hinder me from shit other than I cannot go on the jungle cruise. I'd rather, if you had to put, if I had to go in the water at the jungle cruise. Yeah. It's like mechanical devices that are underwater. It's a very specific phobia, which is extremely specific. And it literally has never affected my everyday life, (laughs) which is very different from some people who suffer from things like agoraphobia, which you have. I've had experience with, I've had, I had agoraphobia for one summer going into my senior year of college and agoraphobia, if you guys don't know, is the fear of basically going outside. Crowds, right? It's crowds, but it, yeah, like a big one for me was going to the grocery store. So I Mm. remember I would 
drive to the grocery store. I would sit in the parking lot and I'd have to be like, basically the, the thought was like, I'm going to be trapped in there and I'm not going to be able to get to my car. I'm not going to be able to go home fast enough. Yeah. If I, again, panic disorder. If I have a panic attack, what will what I do? What will happen if I black out in the aisle here? <laughs> yeah. And so... Um, I've had experience with it before. I don't have it anymore, but that is an example of a phobia that is debilitating. But Natalie's is still valid too. <laughs> it's it is an actual phobia that I get physically like ill over, but it does not affect me in a way. It's so specific. It's so specific. I can't believe there's so even a name weird. for it. I didn't know there was a name for it until I was like 21, which is wild. I know. And actually, I do want to th- just like as you were talking about the store, it's interesting to me, I've always had problems in grocery stores. And when I talked to my therapist about it one time, and she was saying that it's so common. And I wonder why. I really don't know why. I don't know. Maybe it's something about the aisles. There's something about the space. I don't know. Like I... I think it's also the lighting, the fluorescent lighting. Speaking of COVID, actually, there was a time I went into Erewhon, like right when coronavirus kind of, we first got locked down. Um, which feels like 10 years ago, but, <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, I have COVID because I was in the grocery store sweating, heart racing. I was like, I have a fever. I have shortness of breath. And I thought, oh no, I'm panicking. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, you know. So let's get into some of the causes of anxiety. Number one being genetics. Mm-hmm. So studies have shown that anxiety does run in families. Yeah. And I think Natalie and I can both say that that runs in oh, we've in got our all family. All kinds of mental illness on my family. <laughs> all kinds. Yeah, so same over here. So I definitely think I was genetically predisposed yep. to experiencing anxiety, and you know, yeah. And also, uh, uh, environment. Yeah, environment is the, another reason. Yeah, so stressful or traumatic events. Um, Death of a loved one, violence, prolonged illness, um, abuse, all these things can can kind of kick off or develop an anxiety disorder. And I know I had always experienced anxiety, um, but after I got, I will do an, a whole episode on my type 1 diabetes, but it was a really shocking and like life altering moment when I found out the way I found out was not a way that most people find out. Um, and it, I have never actually recovered Hmm. from the level of anxiety that I suffered after that. Right. It's never gone back. Right. Um, so things like that can make things worse. It definitely, and it can also trigger it, right? Yeah. Even if you're genetically predisposed, it doesn't necessarily mean it will turn on. And mm-hmm. sometimes it takes a traumatic event like, you know, having a, a, a intense illness yeah. or any of these other things, death of loved one, abuse, violence, things like yeah. that. Anything really like life changing yeah life altering can kind of turn it on so it's not really like the chicken or the egg it could be both it could be mm-hmm. one or the other it's really up to you know your own biology up to the gods <laughs> yeah so let's talk about how we've coped yeah so this is really the bread and butter of the episode what we yes. really wanted to bring to you guys is because I've experienced anxiety since I was 14, which has been 12 years now. You've experienced it for a very fast math. Well, I'm 26. I just love fast math. I'm so impressed by it. (laughs) I can only do percentages. That's about it. 
Yeah, so we, we wanted to bring to you guys, obviously I've experienced it for a very long time, so have you, yeah. some of our tips and tricks, some things that have really helped us manage and cope um, our own anxieties. So And our, really take our lives back. Yeah. Because it can really derail you. Definitely. So our first tip and the most important one, and sometimes the hardest one, mm-hmm is to talk to someone and not just anyone first and foremost to talk to a mental health professional if you are experiencing even right now as you're listening to this podcast if you're experiencing extreme anxiety that is debilitating you from doing your life or you know making you feel like you need to harm yourself or anything Mm -hmm. like that please 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 talk to a mental health professional that is your number one tool it is really changed me and natalie's lives and also even even I just want to say, it doesn't have to be that extreme. You know, you don't have to be thinking like, I'm going to harm myself or like I'm, it can be as simple as, um, for like for me, my anxiety tends to manifest in me creating insane scenarios in my head. I like to ho- um, hone in on like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to like accidentally explode my oven. Yeah, Natalie has an explosion I don't know thing why that I happens decide with her. To- she thinks that like, her water heater is going to explode. Her laundry yeah. machine is going to explode. <laughs> so, and then they just, and I, like, consciously I know that they won't, but I, it's, like, still this gut feeling of fear. And that, even even if you've got something like that going on, go see a therapist. It's so helpful. A great tool to finding a therapist because I think a lot of people don't know where to look. They mm-hmm. don't know where to find one. Yeah, and we can talk about it and that sounds like a great idea, but like where do you find a therapist is so difficult. And a great tool is psychologytoday.com. Mm-hmm. They you can put in your zip code, you can put in what specialties you want. Do you want them yeah. to be specialized in PTSD? Do you want them to be specialized in anxiety disorder, panic disorder, yeah. whatever? And then pulling up the people in your neighborhood that are close by that you can make an appointment with. Yeah. Actually, I found my current therapist um, because when I moved to LA, I was like, I need a therapist. I was going through a lot at the time and I needed one that um, specialized in trauma and I wanted one that also specialized in EMDR. Yeah. And it came up with a bunch and I narrowed it down and I found my, my current therapist that I love so much. Just to circle back, EMDR is a form of therapy that is, uh, what's it called? Eye movement desensitization, desensitization, E-M, something R, but it's a form of therapy that Natalie and I both do for trauma, which is uh, really helpful. And if you are experiencing trauma, it would be something to look into. Yeah. So um, just... While you're looking on psychology today and maybe you're looking through therapists, there are some barriers to entry with finding a mental health professional. Which make me so frustrated because we have a lot of friends that who have needed therapists who haven't been able to get one. I know. It's so... Because, because cost is a huge barrier. And it's like, God, our healthcare system, but don't get me started. Um, so there's health insurance, cost... Be, honestly, also just being motivated. It's it's hard when you're in a headspace sometimes to actually be like, I can do this. I can make the appointment because um, it's really it's really hard um, finding the quote unquote right one for you is important. Um, and I personally think that you should kind of like 
quote unquote date around with your therapist. Like if you, if you have one session and you're like, this didn't really help me go to another one kind of, you know, do some, do some dating until you find one. That's a good, a match for you. Yeah. I, as Natalie knows, I've had the same therapist since I was 14. She's a legend. She is a legend. And I've never met her. I know. You know what? My boyfriend got to meet her. Um, (gasps) I know. He met her just because I had a session with her while we were on a um, road trip. So I zoomed with her and he, like, I turned the camera and I'm like, well, this is Joe. Oh my God. It's crazy because it's such a huge part of your life. And like, (laughs) I also feel like such a huge part of your life, but like, I've never... I or do think which she'll is like, be at your wedding. She will be at my wedding, <laughs> but I do think that will be like a breach of contract and like probably won't be right. Yeah. Um totally. but like we've extended just like yes. therapist yeah. patient. You guys are in a whole game. It's of almost at like the end I want to go love you. <laughs> do you know I did that one time on accident? To your therapist. To my therapist. Oh Not my god. Not my current one, but the one that I had in Northern California. I was sobbing hysterically. And she and our session had ended, and I was like, "Okay, well, love you." Did she say it back? No. Oh no. No. Of she course like, she didn't can't. say it back. But I was just. Legally. But I. But I didn't mean to say it. It was almost like you know when you hang up a phone, and you're like, "Okay, love you, bye." It was sort of like that. That happens. Like I get so worried. Like not even with your therapist, but just with anyone being like, "Okay, love you," and then you're like, "Oh fuck, that was yeah. my boss." That happened to me <laughs> and my therapist. So that was. Um, a moment. <laughs> but we're, we're also aware that it's a unique time in history and yes. you might not be able to see a therapist in person or even meet a therapist in person. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like I said, Zoom is such a great option, but there's also these therapy apps that are really, really cool. One yeah. being Talkspace, which virtually matches you to a licensed therapist who you can text at any time, whenever you need, which I think is so cool. Yeah. And I love that it's like more mainstream. It's very mainstream. I think it's such an easier way to get into therapy. It's it's probably a lot cheaper than going to a an actual, you know, specialist in person. But mm-hmm. also I feel like it makes it less intimidating. If you're not ready to sit down and talk, text. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's such you know, it creates some distance for you to just get into the mindset of of talking about how you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point because I think a lot of people also, um, I think we, the two of us, have always been so pro-therapy that I think we might tend to forget that there is still stigma, especially, unfortunately, with men. Men and the black community. The black community mm. has a lot of stigma about therapy and talking about how you're feeling. You know, even with my own family, when I first told them that I wanted to start therapy, they were like, we don't do that. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, actually this is something that's really beneficial. So it's, it's, there's a lot of stigma everywhere. Yeah. So it might be, you know, maybe you are, a, are afraid to reach out to a therapist, um, like call them or whatever. And this is a good way to kind of like, dip your toe in and it can be very discreet you don't have to tell anybody you're going to an appointment you know what i mean yeah again it's called talk space and then also a thing that's been super helpful for us is just opening up to friends and family and talking about our experiences um i know the two of us have like if i didn't have you i'd be uh, dead i would i would not i would cease to exist i would cease to exist on this planet yeah um, because you feel so much less alone when you know that other people are experiencing these things. And even things like 
when I call you and I'm like, hey, so um, I think I put too much clothes in my dryer and they're all going to catch on fire and it's going to burn the whole laundromat down and then I'm going to, and you're like, <laughs> okay. Like there's no, there's no like judgment. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's great to have different people to lean on when you're not feeling great. Yes. That also that understand and love you. Mm-hmm. So our second tip is exercise. exercise, which I just can feel people eye rolling right I now because it's like, oh, you want me to get on the treadmill? Like, fuck you. Like, also, <laughs> fuck treadmills, by the way. Yeah, like, fuck my knees. Thing. No thanks. But I, let me just give you this, and maybe it'll make you more open to it. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, about five minutes of aerobic exercise can begin to stimulate anti-anxiety effects. Five minutes. It just gets those endorphins going, mm-hmm. these good hormones that are actually going to change your brain yeah. out of this anxious mindset, give you an outlet for your anxious feelings, physical symptoms, and really calm you down on the back end. I know, it's annoying. I fucking hate people who tell you to exercise. I hate myself uh, for telling no. you this. But it is <laughs> the truth. No, it's the truth. And actually, I will have to say that I was struggling, struggling a few months ago and we were doing, or I was just, I had no routine really. This was when we were fully shut down. I was just like in my house alone, super anxious. And you were like, Hey, um, do you want to like do these virtual workouts with me? And I was like, ugh, no. But then (laughs) I did them and it like made me, it helped so much. Yeah. We've been doing these queens of quarantine group zoom exercises for weeks months forever now. years decades yeah centuries <laughs> however long it's been because we don't want to go to the gym or anything yeah and it's been so helpful in in just having routine but also getting on a biological level your yeah. brain in a healthier state it has it's been so helpful and then also for me yoga has helped me tremendously yeah. which I never thought I'd be a yoga person but I really do think it's been so helpful for me to just like have slow conscious breathing and movement it helps me sort of process my emotions and anxiety and everything and I know you have some some things that you really like well this is just and and I do think we should do a breakup episode but in terms of breakups anxiety with breakups which definitely go hand in hand mm-hmm. boxing Woo, Let the rage go, out. When I go through a breakup, I hit that boxing <laughs> ring real quick. I'm just like, I'm gonna get all of this anxious, mad energy out, and I and I love to box. But to go back to what you said with yoga and the breath, there is something so important about that that actually leads us into our third tip, which I would deem the most important so tip. Important. Well, not the most well, important. Most important therapists yeah most important therapists but two i do think which is this third tip meditation Meditation. and i just feel like so many people have so many stigmas about it and think it's like you levitating in your living room by yourself and it's so not it's so not it's so not so meditation actually changes your damn brain okay It it reprograms neural pathways in your brain therefore improving your ability to regulate your emotions it also triggers the autonomic nervous system which um controls things like your breathing your blood pressure your heart rate um and can reduce the size of your amygdala in your brain which is responsible for your flight or fight response wow yeah, I will just say just from meditating. I will say I was I've 
was never into it and I was experiencing a lot of panic attacks. I was having a really bad spell and meditation, I feel like crying, <laughs> changed my life. Yeah. It, it saved me the ability to control my breath, which in turn controls your heart rate, which in turn controls all of your anxious symptoms, mm-hmm. changed my life. Yeah, same. I mean, I think back on like when I didn't meditate and just there's so much clarity that comes from it. Um, and f- I've gotten into a routine recently where I go on walks because I was having this problem and I don't know about, I feel like you, you do pretty well with like long meditation. I do like 45 minute le- meditations, which is so not normal. Like I'm talking about I, for everybody It should else. be normal. It should be normal. But for everybody else, 10 minutes a day makes a difference. Yes. So what I found myself doing, because meditation has been so, so helpful for me, I would put my meditations on, but I would fall asleep mm-hmm. like 20 minutes or even because I am I tend to like burn myself at both ends or whatever. And so I would sit down and start and then I'm just like asleep on my couch. So recently, probably the past few months, I've been every morning when I take my dog for a walk, I do a, a meditation, like a guided meditation mm-hmm. when I'm walking and it's so helpful. Yeah, it's just, that's like mindfulness, like yeah. teaching you to be aware of your present moment mm-hmm. and things like that. I will say that I learned how to meditate via an app. I learned how to meditate on Headspace. Yeah. And I love that app so, so much. It taught me how to do it in such a user-friendly way. Mm-hmm. 10 minutes a day is what I started with, which I've built to now 45 minutes a day. I love but, it. But I, I've learned through that app. And so I highly recommend to anybody who has no idea what they're doing, has no idea how to do it, is intimidated by it, download Headspace and just try. I think they have a 10-day free trial for anybody. Mm-hmm. Just try that. Another app that's really great is the Calm app. And I actually use that for sleeping meditation. So yeah. they have a lot of sleep stories. They have like Matthew McConaughey on there. Like, I remember we were we were somewhere on one of our Liddy Committee trips. and Did I put one on? Yeah, we couldn't sleep. And you're like, I'm just going to put one of these sleep things. I was asleep in like four minutes. Because I think sometimes you just need a distraction from like your own brain. Like that's yeah. why people fall asleep with the that. TV on. Yeah. Just because it's like something for your brain to focus on. So like... I never make it to the end of the sleep story, yeah. but I do just listen to it enough to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super important. I'm I'm just like so excited that there's all these all these different apps now. I know it's it's really great. So our fourth tip that we created for anxiety management is finding your own decompression routine. And Natalie, you are kind of a badass at that. I I have to have a decompression routine especially recently and this is something I just started implementing more um because a few nights ago uh you know I was very very anxious um like we have mentioned we're going through like a civil revolution and Mm -hmm. it's very upsetting and anxiety inducing and I was reading the news right before bed, just laying in my bed, scrolling on Twitter. And I have this like feeling in my gut, just like of sadness and anger and everything. And I fell asleep and then I woke up in the middle of the night and I puked. And I was like, oh, (laughs) this is not working for me. Um, And so I created a new routine where every night at about six or seven, like when I finished working, I 
stop going on social media. I don't open Twitter. I don't open Instagram. I don't open anything. I turn on a movie that really like makes me happy. So what did I watch last night? Bridget Jones's diary. diary yeah. I had never seen it. So I'm watching all these movies that are just like, um, I watched Willy Wonka. <laughs> I watched like, E.T. And then yeah. I sent you a Snapchat of me sobbing hysterically because I just I love that movie so much but yeah so I just I I have to have this boundary with myself to um not do anything that will trigger my anxiety more and helps me to just sort of calm my nervous system so that I can go to sleep and and sleep well right because that's huge that's so smart and I've been trying to emulate you and and have my own decompression routine but I think another part of your routine could also be taking supplements that help to calm your nervous system Mm -hmm. you know I know a lot of people use like CBD oil and I want to say to please 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 consult your doctor or your um, therapist before you start taking any new supplements Mm -hmm. we don't want to recommend anything to you that would be unwell to you but I do know a lot of people rely on CBD I don't but you do you use CBD I I like CBD I like CBD I also have this this product that my therapist actually suggested for me Mm -hmm. and it's like an herbal supplement and it's been so so game-changing for me yeah and you recommended emotional ally to me which is a great like liquid under the tongue totally herbal not has no like marijuana or anything in it. no 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 but you can get it at like any store yeah it's and actually so my therapist recommended to me i recommended it to you and i also recommended it to my cousin who is a therapist and she was like this shit is the best yeah it's great it's called emotional, emotional ally. ally and then recently i started taking l tryptophan which is it's um, like in turkey it's like right the, you know how like on thanksgiving you like fall asleep because you're like so tired yeah it's because this hormone that's in turkey that um I, I started taking orally and it's actually really helped me and you take it before bed i take it one in the morning one at night but again it's you have to completely yeah. talk to your doctor about see it and right see what's for right you. for you and not abuse it, mm-hmm. all of that. But I've really, really liked it. Um, the, and I know I touched on this for a half second, but part of the decompression routine and just part of overall mental health and wellness is quality sleep and prioritizing sleep, which I know you have recently really been through it. Yeah. I think it's really hard. As much as you want to prioritize sleep when you're feeling anxious, sometimes it doesn't it's come naturally. So hard. But really having seven to eight hours is the best thing you can do for your brain and your mental health. And I called my doctor and was like, hey, I've been having four hours of sleep for two months. That was nuts. And she said, Crin we need to solve this because now you're stuck in a cycle. So because if you don't get good sleep, now your body produces more adrenaline to keep you awake during the day, Uh, which in turn causes more anxiety, mm. which in turn causes less sleep, which in turn causes more adrenaline. And you can really, you can get caught in a cycle. So really, you know, I realized, Hey, I'm in a bad pattern. I'm not sleeping. And I called my doctor and I said, Hey, what can we do? What can we figure out? How can I get out of this? And so if you're experiencing, right, prioritizing sleep is so important, but if you can't get sleep, call your doctor yeah, because so important. it could be something that you actually can't get out of on your own. Yeah, because the other thing that is important to note is that a lot of, I think 
I don't know if people recognize that mental illnesses and anxiety, it's a, it's a brain, it's in your brain. Yeah. It's a- Chemically things are off. And so it's very easy to get caught into a, a wave of it. Yes. So our fifth tip is expressive art. And I love this one. I think another thing for me that's been super helpful is journaling, getting, getting everything out on paper is really helpful. Um, it's also been statistically shown that people who journal actually experiencing experience less depression. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and any, really anything for me recently, every night when I do my decompression routine, I forgot to mention that I also draw. Yeah. I draw, I like to make art, um, dance. You're an actress. I know yeah. it's like anything that you can express yourself and like feel I creative. Th- I think giving yourself, right. A lot of this is like finding ways to mitigate your feelings or feel less of what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. But I think expressive art is a way to actually feel that and, yeah. and find a healthy outlet for whatever anxious thoughts you're going through. So whether that's again, dance, journaling, writing, um, acting or so many other ways that you could creatively express how you're feeling yeah. and and being okay with that saying hey I'm feeling anxious but what can I do with that what can yeah. I turn that into that's actually positive and I just want to say this maybe this is like a little hippy dippy because maybe by now we've all recognized that I am very like witchy not witchy but you know but I really do think that if you keep everything inside, it makes you sick. Makes you physically sick. Yeah, I hundred percent believe that. And so you need to get it out. And for me, even being, you know, I like to paint and stuff. Sometimes my best work comes out of when I'm putting all that onto a canvas or or a drawing, and it just really helps me actually feel physically better. Yeah. So I think there's there's always this a tie in. Yeah, so the last thing we want to talk about is medication, Mm -hmm. which we haven't brought up in the podcast yet because it really is something that is to your own discretion and something that you and your doctor have to figure out. I want to say again, if you're feeling intense anxiety that is debilitating, that is causing you to think to take your own life or anything like that, there's a point in which, yes, all of these tools are so, so helpful, but also medication is a tool. It is something to regulate your brain, something to get you mm-hmm. from point A to point B. And when used responsibly, can really, really make the situation that you're in a lot easier. And also just want to reiterate, there is no shame in it. None. No shame. And when people have talked to me about like, oh, I think I like I, I might need to take um, a Xanax or I, I might need to ask my psychiatrist uh, for some help. Cause I'm really struggling. I always give people the analogy of the fact that I have type one diabetes, right? My pancreas does not produce insulin, right? I, it doesn't make it, I will die without it. So I have to take it. And how is that any different from somebody who their brain isn't producing the right chemicals? There's a good, they, they very well could die without the right chemicals and they should get what they need. Right. And there's it's, no stigma. Yeah. I mean, there is there is there stigma, is stigma, but there's, you shouldn't you shouldn't yeah. feel that. And so I do think 
that that is something to consider in your holistic anxiety management plan if all of these things aren't working for you. I do yeah. think to lean on talking to a therapist, exercising, meditating, create, creating a decompression routine, um, expressive art, all of that first. And then when you're like, hey, I'm at a point I'm where struggling. it does feel biological. It yeah. does feel like something's off with my brain mm-hmm. to reach out to your doctor and figure out something that's right for yeah. you. I meant to say... I meant to say no shame, not no stigma. There's yeah, no there's shame. There's no in it. no shame at all. Yeah. So okay, so to kind of wrap all of this up, we we hope that you can better understand anxiety, what it is, where it comes from, the symptoms, and potentially, you know, what tools to use to manage it and to feel that there is this conversation space for anxiety nowadays and Mm -hmm. there are tools to feel better you do not my number one thing is you do not have to suffer there's no no reason to suffer through life yeah I tell people that a lot and and I he would be fine with me saying this but my brother a few years ago was really struggling and I said like do you feel like you're suffering needlessly and he was like yes and I said okay let's let's get a a plan going yeah there's no need you don't have to suffer everybody on earth deserves to be happy healthy we are vibrant do. everybody deserves it so again so if you have any questions or want us to expand further or anything feel free to dm us at am i doing this right pod or email us at am i doing this right pod at gmail.com so natalie let's actually circle back on this to our rosé our mcbride sisters black girl magic rosé 2018 that we've been sipping on this entire anxiety episode i'm almost done with mine so what are your thoughts what are your thoughts i actually okay i do not like rosé and i actually really really like this one okay you know what I'm going to get us the Riesling. I'm, I have to get another case of the Riesling because I loved it so much. Okay, yeah, get another case you're of it. You're going to love. If you like this rosé, you're going to die for the Riesling. So, also, this is not sponsored. I bought these. Yeah, yeah. Na- Natalie buys uh, these. I should, I, if you want me to reimburse you, I will. Oh, <laughs> no, it's okay. So let's talk about our hottie of the week. I'm very excited about her. Yara Shahidi. She, Love her so much. First of all, she's beautiful. Second of all, she's motivated. She's such a big advocate for, on so many causes. Yes. She's so well-spoken. She's an Harvard applicant or a student. I don't know if she's went yet, but she does go to Harvard or has been accepted to Harvard. Um, Listen, that's impressive enough for me. Super talented. And say why we picked her for this one. Well, we picked her because she was a headliner at the Mental Health Matters Summit, which obviously goes in turn with uh, anxiety. With With our theme here. And also... Interns with our Black Girl Magic. Our bl- she Yara Shahidi is Black Girl Magic. She's straight magic. So so we she has been chosen as our hottie of the our week. Hottie of the week. We will rate this wine from one to Yara Shahidi. What do you think? So okay, so for me, I again rosé is not my favorite. I still haven't found a rosé that I'm like I could drink this every day. Um. I do like this one. I do like this one. I will say, okay, so we'll say Yarshidi. She's confident. She's strong. She's smart, maybe sharp. Uh-huh. 
So from one to Yarshahidi, I'd give this the McBride Sisters Black Girl Magic Rosé. I'd give it a like another 7.5. Yeah, I like that. 7.5. I like the 7.5. Yeah, I like it. I think here's the problem. Maybe even an 8. I think their Riesling ruined me. It was so good. Because it was so good that actually I ran out of it because I only got the one bottle. And I was sad. Uh-huh. I was like, I can't drink this again tomorrow because I don't have it. Well, we will have to review the McBride sisters Riesling that they have. Yeah. I'm going to have to. Okay, so it is that time of the show that we play our last little game, just our palate cleanser from a very heavy episode. Yes. Which today we're doing unpopular opinion. What's yours? You tell me yours first. Natalie, you go first. Okay, so my unpopular opinion, I was thinking about this this morning before you picked me up. I'm like, what is my unpopular opinion? And then I realized I don't have an unpop... This The thing that I thought of is not an unpopular opinion as much as it's just like an unpopular thing. What is an unpopular thing? And I feel like it, this only happens when I mention this to a man and mm-hmm. their brain... Ex- I watched their brain explode in front of me. And that is I have never seen one Avengers movie. Oh. Not one. I the only Marvel movie I've ever even seen was um I saw Black Panther and I think no I do know I saw the first Captain America on a horrible date <laughs> on a horrible date okay. that was it I will say I don't follow the Avengers or any of that yeah but I will say I saw the first one and the first Avengers and I and I left that theater thinking I was going to blast off from my seat i thought i was like people love that i was like i get it i get yeah. why you would be so freaking into this my brother went at six in the morning when the last one came out there's there's like a at least a hundred yeah at least but every time i mention that i've never seen an avengers people are like what like I don't know. There's somebody like a Hawkeye or somebody. I'm like, there's too many. of. I don't know anything I would, about I would them. recommend seeing the first. I, I've only seen the first one. But I will say that there was something magical about it. And I was like, I, I finally got the whole superhero thing. I yeah. never got it. And I and I fully got it. Yeah. So that's my unpopular. It's not an opinion. Because I'm sure they're amazing movies. You I just, just haven't seen them. I've never seen any of them. And I when, here's the other thing. I don't go home and like put on Netflix and think, I want to watch three hours of action alone. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. (laughs) That's fair enough. That's definitely fair enough. So my unpopular opinion was summer is my least favorite season. Oh, I mean, that's not surprising because I know you, but like that is unpopular. I feel like it's unpopular. I feel like it's a lot of people's favorite season. People live for summer. But as an introvert, Summer equals a lot of social activity, and I'm like, I like mm, fall. Not for me. I think, I think what was unpopular about that specific opinion is that it's not that summer is my like I fall is my my most favorite season. It's that it's my least favorite right. season. I prefer winter, spring, and fall over, over summer. summer. Isn't that weird? But Gosh. I do I do love being on a beach. I will say that. Like I love to be on a beach, but I live in California, so it's always sunny. But there's something about like June to August where it's like romping season and like right. everyone's out and we're all at bars and everyone's talking to each other. And I'm like, I'm an introvert, I'd rather not do yeah. any of that. 
You know what's interesting? Now that I'm thinking about it, and on popular things, I have lived here for two years. And I've lived in California my whole life, and I don't think I've been to the beach for... I don't even know. The only beach I've been to in recent years is Miami. <laughs> I don't go to the beach here. Yeah. And I live very near one. It's because Los Angeles doesn't have great beaches, to be yeah. honest. Maybe and in the bay, opinion. in the bay, it's cold. The beaches, they smell bad. The water's fucking freezing. It's windy. Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's not ideal. Also, San Francisco. Listen, I grew up there. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> okay, so we can... There's a lot of unpopular opinions. There's a lot of unpopular opinions, but that is ours for this episode. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Hopefully you have some great tips on managing anxiety. Feel free to DM us or email us, and we will see you next week. And we love you so much. And we love you so and much. And I love you a lot. And I love you too. The most. The most. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.